Welcome to episode 15 of Topper Talk, brought to you by the College Heights Herald Sports staff. I'm your host, sports editor Nick Geezer, and today I'm going to be joined by men's basketball beat reporter Caden Gaylord and women's beat reporter uh, for basketball Drew Tennis, who covers the Lady Toppers, and then later on we'll have Matthew Hargrove, who covers uh, football. So with that being said, we have Caden here first. So Caden, how have you been this week and how was your holiday break? Uh, the break was all right. You know, just enjoyed it with my friends and family. Uh, in terms of 2021, you know, the first five days were very calm and then yesterday was not, but I won't get into that. But uh, it's been a very uh, interesting week for sure so far. Yeah, sure thing. I think it's just been, you know, an interesting first couple of days of the year. I would say it's been like the same as it was in 2020 for the new year. So <laughs> it's been relatively sort of the same as far as like, just like feeling through like the days go, but all the news, if you haven't seen the news, just go to Twitter, go to Facebook. I mean, go to Instagram, you'll, you'll see like what's going on politically. But so we're not here to talk about politics. We're here to talk about some WK sports. So for this installment of Topper Talk, we're going to be catching up with what's been happening since we last had, had a episode on Christmas. Um, I thought that would be a cool little tribute to have, like us to all catch up before Christmas and we're having Drew hop on who hasn't been on the show yet so we've got a good show ahead of us here so Caden would you mind sharing with the folks what we have on our docket for today yeah man no problem uh first we'll talk about WKU men's and women's basketball and we'll have audio from men's head coach Rick Stansberry in the first segment uh both Drew Tennis and I uh we'll talk about our respective teams uh coverage and uh what would later Drew will talk about lady basketball and then in the final segment we'll hear from Matthew about WK football and all the transfer mess that has been going on over there well without any further ado you know that's going to be stuff that we really dive into kind of quickly here we're going to you know do as best of do as best of a job that we can to you know sort of catch everybody up to speed the past couple of weeks um you know, you said transfer portal mess and, you know, Matthew and I will hop on that uh, later. And, you know, as far as basketball goes, we've got one team that is being set upon like a pedestal for finishing good in the conference. We have one team that's young that Drew is covering that we're going to see a lot from that. Hey, they might win a few games that no one really thought that they would. So, Caden, um, we're going to go ahead and, you know, break into segment one. No music here to, you know, transition us. But. Um, you know, I, I think we're just going to address what were your first impressions about WKU splitting their conference opener at Charlotte last weekend? Well, it really just showed that it's going to be hard for any conference, any team in the nation. It's going to be really hard to win back-to-back -back games um, in these home-and-home -home series. Uh, the two games played out, you know, really the same, honestly, uh, the first game, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of turnovers. I mean, my goodness, a lot of, I think it was 21 turnovers for WKU. I'm trying to find it right now, but, um, yeah, it was just a mess. And, you know, it was a very close game at the end. Uh, WKU pulled out 67 to 63, uh, Tavion Hollingsworth, you know, coming in clutch, uh, eight, eight free throws out of 10 made, uh, Kenny, uh, excuse me, Davion McKnight. At 12 points uh, with Charles having 10 and 12. Um, you know, the team, they played all right in the first game. Uh, just like I said before, a lot of turnovers and just, 
you know, I think that had to do with them having two weeks off or however long it was, 10 days off, something like that. Um, you know, when you're not on the court constantly, you know, when you come back, you know, things won't be as fluid as they were, uh, you know, when you're constantly playing. But on the second game, the second game was a great game. And honestly, I thought WK would pull it out. They, where they messed up was, you know, when you're up by seven with only a few minutes left to go, you can't let that lead go. And, you know, they made costly turnovers, you know, at the end of regulation to allow Charlotte to get back into the game and forcing it to go into overtime. And in overtime, we saw what WKU's strength is, is getting to the free throw line being used against them. As Charlotte got to the free throw line, I think 10 times in overtime. And you, when you get to the free throw line 10 times in a five-minute span, that's just – I mean, you just have to win at that point, especially because Charlotte hit nine out of 10. But um, yeah, man, it was just a great game. Both games are great overall. And it shows that, you know, turnovers are going to be a huge deal breaker uh, for this team throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that looking at how they played over the course of their first weekend, and I think it would be fair to say, fair to say, uh, excuse me, that Charlotte at times looked like the better team. I'm not afraid to say that. I think that WKU did do a very good job with their scoring, um, <clears throat> utilizing Tavion, and then Davion had a really good game, you know, the first game of the series. Um, so I'm really looking forward to just how, you know, progress, well, I guess just how far this team's going to go. And so, um, one thing that I will touch on really quick was I noticed that Bassey sort of had issues in the first game. He was on the bike on the sideline. He uh, was confirmed to have sort of like that back soreness from the, the Alabama series still lingering. And apparently he injured his knee in some fashion. I'm not sure what the extent of that is. It's probably a bruise or something like that. Um, but, you know, he's still doing good with blocks. He's still doing good with rebounds and he's still throwing it down really well. So he's easily in that top three or five for those categories. And so that's what I'm still going to pay attention to is, you know, how well does he keep playing? And so, you know, as far as that goes, you know, do you think it's going to be pretty important that Charles does stay vitally like healthy this weekend, Caden? I mean, for this weekend, uh, you know, he's, he's always going to be, you know, the biggest piece of this team. Uh, but for those games, uh, for the Charlotte games, I don't think he made or break the team, uh, you know, when it came to winning or losing. Like, he wasn't the main factor in that. Like, him being hurt did not factor it into it at all. But, um, I mean, obviously, he's going to obviously be an important part of this team uh, for the rest of the season. So, hopefully, you know, the spasms can go away. I think the back problem was a bigger problem than, you know, the knee, if that was an issue. Um, just him being mobile on the court, he looked um, he looked hurt playing out there. He looked wounded playing out there, especially in the first game. The first game, he just looked out of it. He couldn't, you know, he wasn't in his usual dominant self. But the second game, he looked more comfortable uh, in the beginning. And, you know, as the game got longer and longer, you know, overtime did not help. Um, it, he just... He just wasn't himself. So hopefully, um, you know, the training staff got him feeling better uh, for this upcoming series. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, they, you know, tread cautiously. Uh, you know, I think cautiously, I think, you know, playing back-to-back -back games, you can kind of rest him a little bit. 
you know, you know, he doesn't have to play 35 minutes every single game, you know, especially on a back-to-back. You see players in the NBA uh, taking off back-to-backs. Now I'm not saying Charles should take off, but, you know, rest him a little bit. Get him a little bit of time to get some re- rehabilitation going and, you know, so he can feel good for the rest of the season. Absolutely. And he's going to be someone that we have to keep healthy, someone we have to kind of watch. Like you talked about him maybe missing a back-to-back. You know, I would be okay with that when that takes place. I don't know. Maybe it's like sometime in March uh, before the end of conference play ends. Um, So with that update on Charles, we also saw on WKU basketball, their Instagram, that Tavion is 20 minutes away from being the sole leader in minutes played as a Hilltopper. Um, And so that's a huge testament to his commitment to the team, but also just him staying healthy over four years, him producing points. And so this is a huge milestone. And what kind of testament do you think this gives Tavion, uh, Caden? To me, it just shows how durable he is. And if he's able, you know, to make it to the pro level, it shows that he's not injury prone and he will play through anything. I mean, look at last season. I mean, they were on a six-man rotation basically throughout the whole season. So he's playing 40, basically 38 to 40 minutes a game, you know, and he didn't get hurt at all. He played every single game. I mean, I think he leads the country in consecutive starts, um, you know. But, yeah, he's – he's. I mean, it just shows a testament to how much he's put in and the work he's put in and, you know, how – you would think that somebody who's that skinny would get hurt. You know, he he's very – he's kind of skinny, you know, but he's very strong. But, uh, yeah, it just shows how durable he is. And, you know, that's going to be a good thing for him going forward. That's true. I think uh, you would call him an Iron Man if you want to say that sort of thing. So um, one thing I've noticed, because I didn't go to very many WKU basketball games last year, but in pictures or in passing, you know, Tavion, I, I thought he'd have a little more muscle mass on him, but that's just an observation. Yeah, you're right. He is sort of skinny for a basketball player. But hey, he's aggressive. He gets it done. He drives the basket. He finishes at the basket. You can't really teach that. Uh, You know, he's just fundamentally sound. So, um, you know, really quick here, let's talk about the matchup against La Tech this weekend. Uh, La Tech actually split uh, this weekend, uh, this past weekend against Marshall, where we were looking at the stats, at least I was, and I was thinking, I really believe La Tech should have swept Marshall, but they didn't. But Caden, um, just how do you think they'll fare against uh, the Bulldogs this weekend? I mean, you look at last year and LaTeX was supposed to be the best team in the conference. Uh, you know, I think it was the LaTeX game was the one where WKU at home were down by like 20 and came back and won the game. I'm fairly certain it is that game that happened. So, you know, these, these LaTeX and WKU matchups are always, always a huge contest. Um, but I'm, my thing is WKU defense has always let one player, um, take over. I mean, in the Charlotte games, it was Jameer Young, both games in the first game, Bryce, uh, I think his last name, Williams, Bryce Williams. He, he only missed one shot. He went eight of nine, 21 points And Jameer Young. He is just tuned on both games. So it's always one player that sticks out and just kills them for some reason. So hopefully this season with this de- this deep of a team, they'll be able to, you know, make some switches happen, maybe get Josh, you know, guarding the best player from now on. 
um, do something like that. So I'm looking for changes like that in the defense uh, because the big problem for them this season has been defense, three-point defense and turnovers. So, you know, in conference play, you know, it's down to the nitty gritty. It's down to, you know, making this push to be able to show that you are a tournament team. Right. And so I think that, you know, that starts this weekend with this Law Tech team who's all, who has the same record of eight and three as WKU. Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge uh, series this weekend. I think you hit the nail on the head. So without any further ado, we actually spoke with Rick Stansbury recently. Um, so we'll hear from him really quick and then we'll come right back. Well, like always, you know, they're really quick and they're athletic. Um, you know, they got good, good experience on that team. And, you know, the big, biggest difference is they got six guys that's made 10 or more threes. You know, that's a, that's a something that's always a weapon. And like you just mentioned, there's six guys cl scoring close to, you know, double digits every night. So they got great bounce. Uh, they're a very athletic team. Multiple guys can shoot the basketball. When you got multiple guys can shoot the basketball, you know, anything can happen on a given night, you know, and, uh, no question, they're, they're a really good basketball team. Okay, so that's what Rick had to say about this matchup that's coming up this weekend. Uh, after speaking with him, I think it's important to keep in mind that Law Tech looks the same on paper as we do. They're eight and three, they're one and one uh, in conference play. And so it's going to be huge. Uh, Caden's already given his take on this series. I think very briefly, I would say, they're going to have to take control of their shots. You know, I think Rick was talking about how important it was for them to hit their shots. They were struggling a few times. So um, and I know that as a hearing from basketball coaches, they say that quite a bit sometimes if it's a consistent part of his team's game. So um, without any further ado here, we're going to transition out of men's basketball. Now we're going to talk to beat reporter Drew Tennis who covers the women's basketball team. So Drew, this is your first time on the show, man. So uh, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm pretty good, Nick. Uh, how are you? Uh, not so bad. I think we all had a good little break there. I think us, like this trio stayed relatively busy over the course of the break. So glad to have you on and glad to talk about some Lady Topper basketball. I know that you uh, attended that press conference yesterday with head coach Greg Collins and got us the inside scoop there. So uh, I guess, you know, start us off there. Uh, I know that we may not be following the uh, the script here, but uh, what did you hear from Greg Collins yesterday about his team? Um, so yesterday, the, the press conference, the one thing that really, I think the most important detail, the what, what was, uh, what I thought was the most important was the uh, update on Renee, just because um, currently the, the team is really young and it's pretty obvious, at least to me that, uh, coach Collins is kind of, he's kind of getting sick of losing. Um, basically in the press conferences, he's gone to, he, he's gone from getting not, he was like not upset about certain questions to he's kind of getting more upset about things. Cause he's been hearing it a lot because we're asking the same questions. Like, what did you do wrong? What did what what happened here? And I think with a player like Raneem, that could really change how the team plays and like they're just their performance overall because their team is really young and there's a lot of talent. It's just 
there, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of their players are still trying to make that transition from high school play to college play. And they're having a lot of trouble with that. Yeah, they are a very freshman heavy team. It is fantastic news that we have Raneem coming back. Um, you know, she's been home in Egypt. Um, I think when I went back and listened to the press conference, Coach Collins said that her father was doing a lot better. I'm not going to assume what the situation was about, but I'm assuming that if anything, she was staying home to be there for her dad, which is very vital to a family for sure. So um, I'm, we're all glad that she's back. We're all glad that she's going through that protocol to you know, be quote unquote COVID free or just healthy to return to the team. I think one thing we'll have to be asking him this weekend after the series is over um, is when does he think we could have Raneem come back? We don't know if that's next weekend or the weekend after. Uh, we didn't hear that from him, but with the team being one and five, Drew, what have you liked about watching them so far this year? Um, well, first, they're, they're definitely a good team. Like, uh, I know that people can, like, say, oh, well, they're one and five, but, like, I do think that they're a really talented team and they have a lot of players that are, are really good. And the biggest, I think their team chemistry as well is actually really good. I think that they work well as a team. It's just, they don't, they're not very consistent on a couple different things in the game. Like for example, with uh, on the defensive end, they tend to, they tend to not, um, I see that there's like Meryl Abdelgawad who always, I feel like she's always very consistent with going for rebounds on both sides of the court but there's a lot of players who get in positions where they're not able to reach those rebounds. And, you know, they've lost games solely on the fact that they weren't able to get enough rebounds and they turn the ball over a lot. Um, so I think there's a lot of things they have to work on, but I think, I think one of the other ones is you see a lot that they try, they hold the ball a lot on offense. They don't really, they're not very quick at getting a shot up. Um, it sometimes takes them quite a while. And, you know, they get called for three second or they, you know, they end up traveling or that kind of thing. I think that those are some issues they have to work with. But I think that overall, like, it really is kind of fun watching their team play just because of the talent they have, because they have some great players and they're, they're actually really fun to watch. They're more than capable of taking some games away from some, from some people this year. I think um, we've got a really good conference schedule ahead. Um, and so they've got La Tech on the road this weekend, just a preface for what is to come. And then the week after, they will be doing a home and home as well, men, as, well as the men's team. They'll be doing a home and home with Marshall. And um, it'll look like a high school series where, where one program's on the road and then they go home and then so on and so forth. So um, one other thing, too, that has been not in the Lady Topper's favor is cancellations and not being able to play on a consistent basis. Um, and they even had that kind of struggle early on in the beginning of the non-conference schedule where games were postponed. They didn't, they didn't end up playing Stanford. That was one thing that you touched on yesterday in that press conference was being like, hey, it's a consistent schedule here now. So um, that's been really, really good to see. Um, and Drew, we already asked Caden about, you know, how that team will do the men's team, but how do you think this women's team is gonna do this weekend? against the uh, lady texters um so the one thing i would say is that when i've looked at the record the lady texters are six and two i believe and um so i definitely know that um based on what i've learned yesterday is they they do 
they are a really powerful team in the in Conference USA. They're a really good team, and they're going to be quite a challenge. I know that Coach Collins said yesterday that they that uh, last last season that they they won in a tournament. They got a really big tournament win. They're a really really hard team to beat. So and. One thing he was, I, I think that he was really worried about is the fact that they've retained most of their players from last season. They're, they have a lot of the same players. And I believe they have a trio of players that are just really dangerous. Um, so it's going to be a really tough game. Um, we are playing them back to back. So I, I think that that's actually, uh, that's actually something that we kind of used, that uh, the, the team can use to their advantage just because you know, if we lose the first game, we can say, oh, well, there's a, we, we lost this game. What do we do to fix it? That's something that they could be doing. Um, I think that, I think that there's opportunities for the Lady Toppers to win, the, to win uh, both those games, if not one. Um, I think that it's going to, I do think it's going to be a really tough game though. Yeah, brutally honest. Um, Law Tech and those textures are going to have experience over this Lady Topper team, like for sure. Like that's just set yeah. in stone. And um, I think Greg Collins is going to be more than happy to finally get conference play started. And now in the back of his mind, he's like, I've got Reneem that I will have coming back as well soon. And so she's going to be that missing piece. That's she's a tall player. Uh, she's physical when she gets to the basket. So uh, we'll, we'll see some more fouls being drawn for sure. And so uh, she's a senior on the team. And I know that Coach Collins talks a lot about leadership coming from Merrill. Um, but I think even more so, Reneem's going to try to step in as best that she can and start to do those things as well. So um, I think that we have a really good uh, matchup for both programs, men's and women's, this weekend. It's going to be a true test to where they stand as of right now and what these coaches have to fix. Um, so I think with that being said, we'll step away uh, for a second uh, after having a front loaded uh, podcast first segment. Uh, and so up next, we'll catch up with Matthew Hargrove to talk about some football. And I just want to thank uh, Drew and Kaden for coming on. And so it was a pleasure to have you guys. And uh, really quickly from both of you, we'll start with Kaden. Um, how do you think they'll finish? Will it be 2-0, 1-1, or 0-2? I just want to hear how you guys think they'll do this weekend. Um, I can see the 1-1, with especially how, you know, competitive these games tend to be. 1-1 sounds about right. Okay. Drew, how about you and the Lady Toppers? What do you think is going to honestly happen? Uh, I would definitely – I, I got to go with 1-1. Uh, one one. Um, I think that the Lady Toppers will probably – take one loss and take one win. I think that they may take the first game. Uh, I think they may lose the first game, but I think the second game they could win it. Well, you heard it here first, and I think I can agree with my writers. Um, you know, that's going to be something that we're optimistic about here on the pod, and then we'll get to cover it and be, um, you know, honest there, obviously, or else we wouldn't be doing journalism and be very opinion-based. But so um, you're listening to Topper Talk, and when you come back, we'll have Matthew Hargrove talking about some football.
back here on the second segment to talk with football beat reporter Matthew Hargrove um, to wrap up this edition of Topper Talk. So, first off, Matthew, how have you been since we've last talked? It's been since Christmas. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Um, I'm pretty sure we haven't talked since Western Kentucky lost their bowl game, sadly. Um, I know for both of us, that was pretty hard to watch. Georgia State just looked like they controlled the entire game. But, uh, yeah, I've been doing good, and I hope you're doing good as well. Yes, sir. We're doing all good over here. And uh, I'm actually sitting in the very coffee shop, so I may sound different to our listeners. Uh, the very coffee shop that uh, uh, I covered the bowl game in. And for those that didn't know, this is off script, but uh, – we had a Nashville explosion and Matthew and I live in Tennessee. And so we didn't have service. And so it was very hard to communicate that day uh, when we covered the bowl game. So I've come here, I sat here all day. Um, I didn't hear your side of it, but you had internet here and there too, or just service. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was giving me troubles as well. I couldn't get anything to work when you're talking about Zoom in the press conference and then my laptop, I couldn't get on Google Docs because that's how, how we usually write the stories. It was just, it was very annoying and I, I'm yeah. sure it was the same way for you. Yeah, I think it was atrocious. Um, I think what even made it more interesting, what but worse, I guess, is the fact that um, that press conference, you didn't catch very much of it, but it was not impressive. Like, yeah, that's was, what you told me, <laughs> man. It was not impressive. They didn't have it set up very well. They had two screens set up and like players and coaches kept looking between. And I was like, Oh man, this is, <laughs> this is interesting, but yeah. without any further ado here, uh, let's just go ahead and kick off what's been happening. So Matthew kind of give us the rundown of like, what's been the most active in the football program lately. Yeah, so after Western Kentucky lost 39-17, to it's officially the offseason, and head coach Tyson Allen has been very busy recruiting-wise, and it hasn't been from high school guys. There's been a lot of transfers, and one of the biggest transfers, I think this is the biggest pickup of the offseason or what will be the biggest pickup of the offseason is getting transfer quarterback in Bailey Zappi, and he's from Houston Baptist, and that's where the new offensive coordinator and Zach Kitley is from, and this dude – was legit. I mean, if you go and look at his stats, there are multiple games where he is throwing for over 400 yards. And they also got one of his wide receivers as well to not from smaller schools like Houston Baptist. They've been from from some big schools. You talk about wide receiver Daywood Davis. They got a nice linebacker defensive end and Michael Pitts from Cincinnati. There's a few others I'm going to mention here. Running back Adam Cofield. He's from North Dakota State. That's a smaller school. Um, Rick, R- River Helms. He's a tight end. Matthew Fans of linebacker. He's from UNC. So there's another power five school. Um, but Tyson Helton, man, he's he's been busy. And There's also been a lot of guys who have left the program. So this is going to be, you're getting a new offense, and we knew that even before the bowl game, but you're also getting a lot of new guys on offense and the defense as well. But Western, like I said, they've lost a lot of guys. They're losing cornerback Miguel Edwards. Uh, He he played at Oklahoma, or excuse me, that's – that's the guys coming into the program that are on defense. That's another guy. He's from Oklahoma. So there's another power five school. Like I mentioned, Michael Pitts coming from Cincinnati. And that may be another, you know, guy that you look at in the future or or right now and say, this is a key guy because of the program he's coming from. Cincinnati had an outstanding year. 
Um, if there was an 18 college football playoff, which I hope we, I pray to God that we get in the future, then Cincinnati would be right there. They were the eighth, eighth best team in the nation. And then you have Oregon day with Davis. I mean, coming from Oregon, everyone knows how well that Oregon football program is, but going back to the guys that have left, I saw that Xavier Lane, a key wide receiver, arguably the best wide receiver for the Hilltoppers this year. He's going to be transferring. They lot of, they're losing a lot of defensive guys. I mean, you talk about D'Angelo Malone and Devin Key. So there's, it's just going to be basically a new team. And Tyson Helton, I love that he's not starting late. He's getting right on it right after the bowl game and getting some good power five guys in or hopefully some guys that we know can be good in a mid-major setting because they we know that they can make a power five program. Yeah, I think it's going to be super huge to see just how effective these additions are going to be. Uh, and... One other thing, too, to kind of mention here, to hop a little bit more on the defensive side, uh, we have the Stearns brothers that are coming in from Houston Baptist. One's a wide receiver. I believe one is a cornerback. Uh, so we'll have him. Uh, Miguel, Ed M Miguel Edwards, I think you mentioned him already. Uh, but he was at Oklahoma, but then transferred to play last season at Independence Community College. So he's trying to get his way back in, you know, a bigger school, get on the map again, and then, uh, Trey Shaw, who's from UNC, um, and then you already touched on Michael Pitts, and so um, defensively, I think they're going to only get better. Uh, I think that'll still be their strong suit, surprisingly enough, next season. Uh, I think it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, we get Zach Kitley, and he's going to be in charge of pretty much the same guys, or who he's dealt with, or he has a lot yeah. of talent to deal with, and so that's what's super cool about our situation right now. And so, um, you know, he's hitting the, like Tyson Helton, he meant it when he said it, he's using this transfer portal, like free agency and then uh, like, and it's absolutely showing. And so just what are your thoughts about all these additions so far, Matthew? Well, like, uh, like, again, I'm going to say that they're, they're, they're big time. And this Western Kentucky team, even though they had a really tough schedule, this wasn't a successful year. And I like that Tyson Helton is using the transfer portal as free agency. And it's kind, of, it's kind of come into that. There are so many players leaving. And obviously, it's not like professional sports where you can offer contracts or offering scholarships. But it's a lot like free agency now. That's where college football, not only college football, but college sports is at. And just the pickups, the power five pickups. And going back to the Houston Baptist pickups, talking about Zappi and the Stearns brothers and and, and it's just huge for Western Kentucky because not only are you getting, you know, yes, you get all that offense coming from Houston Baptist. There's already a connection. So it's going to make it easier in the offseason when you're going through camps and it's not everyone trying to figure, you know, the new systems out. Zappi already knows what Kitley's going to run. The Stearns, wide receivers, they already know what's going to happen with Kitley. They already know what to expect going into camp. So you already have that chemistry and you don't have to spend so much time in the offseason trying to figure that out. And that's one of the big reasons why I love those three guys coming from Houston Baptist. Plus you're getting a nice wide receiver in Davis coming from Oregon. I don't think he's going to have a problem fitting into the system. And I like where things are headed with this Hilltopper football program. There's no shadow of a doubt that they're heading in a very, very good direction. And so just to kind of give these guys a spotlight, because it is cool to see this kind of happening. 
um, we do have a new staff member. And by the time you oh. listen to this, there may be new hires or we may have missed <laughs> somebody. Uh, another uh, transfer saw, guy come in. Who knows? Yeah, you just never know. So uh, we had Carlos Lachlan out of Florida State who's going to be joining. I think he's the running backs coach. It could be wrong. But, uh, uh, you know, we see defenders going to the draft. We see Trey Meadows, Devin Key, Deontay Ruffin, who are declaring for this draft. And so uh, we'll probably see some guys that even left the program that possibly will declare for the draft, not 2021, but in 2022, possibly. So while there are a lot of moves, like I just said, we may be missing something or something might happen or, you know, hey, this spring we're going to have a lot to talk about possibly. And so hopefully we'll get to watch a spring football game. They didn't have one last year. So that's uh, right, that's a good segue into this next point I kind of want to touch on before we wrap up the pod here is, you know, I want to pose the same question uh, about the quarterbacks is we get zappy. Last time we talked, we didn't have zappy. We didn't ever think about that. Uh, we didn't play the ball game either last time with that, that we had talked. We, we just previewed it. But, you know, with zappy coming in uh, and, you know, Pigram possibly still sticking around. We don't know that to be certain yet. Just what are your thoughts on that kind of situation, Matthew? I think that Tyson Helton has a pretty easy choice here, and it's to go with Zappy. And the reason why I say that is because if you're getting your guy with the offensive coordinator in Kitley, and he's bringing in his quarterback, why in the world would you go with Pigram? And you can argue and say that, well, you know, Pigram, he's getting a new offensive coordinator and he's in different system. Well, Pigram, it was the, the, the reason why the offense struggled wasn't always on Brian Ellis. It was on Pigram as well. I believe he only had two games where he threw for over 200 yards. And if you're going to be a pretty good quarterback and if you're in a bad system and you're a pretty good quarterback, then you have to find a way. You're going to find a way to get over 200 yards. I mean, he was struggling to get over 150 sometimes. And Pigram, I, I was a little disappointed in the way in the run game. He didn't run as much as I thought he was going to. I remember when the Hilltoppers got him over the summer and I was watching a YouTube video, some highlights on him. He was running, he was running wild all over the football field. And I just feel like he never did that at Western Kentucky. And I know it had a lot to do with the offensive line. It was a little disappointing this year. And Gage Walker couldn't really go in. And he had a lot of wide receivers hurt. But Tyrell Pigram didn't get it done. Even in a bad system, he didn't overperform or perform like you expected him to do. And the bad system is not going to cut it for the excuses. And with Zappy. I'm going to read some stats in the three seasons that Kitley was there at HBU. Kitley threw for 61.9. He had a 61.9 completion rate, averaged 313.2 yards per game, throwing, and then 73 touchdowns and 29 interceptions. How in the world can you not start this guy when they already have that chemistry? Yeah, I think there's a definitive answer as far as looking goes. Uh, you know, there's quite a few guys that we saw that were seniors that we haven't either heard from yet about their decision for the next season or we've seen where they're going to go. Um, you know, Pigram is one of those guys. We don't know where he's going to go or if he's going to stick around. You know, he's a graduate transfer and he has the blanket waiver. And typically you don't see a graduate play past that last year, obviously, even four years, really. But, um, you know, I think it'll be interesting. You know, we, we lost another guy in Tyler Whip 
he's going to go home and play for Purdue. Uh, you can't really replace a guy like that unless you're recruiting or you've got a transfer. Um, it's super huge uh, that they're making these moves. And so I think one thing that we could possibly see, and you could add to this if you'd like to, but I think Pigram will wait till the spring and wait till spring football starts um, because I think a lot of these guys are looking to have re redemptive seasons. And so we may see some of them stay and you may see a QB battle between Pigram and Zappi. Well, I think Zappi has the upper hand working with his OC still. It didn't change for him. Um, he has the, the edge over Pigram in that. But I think we're going to see a very uh, competitive camp, don't you think? Yeah, and I'm surprised that we haven't heard from Pigram. There's a lot of guys. You see it all over Twitter and Instagram. There's a ton of guys that have announced whether if they're going to go to the NFL, whether they're going to transfer or just stay with their school. So I expect to hear an answer from Tyrell Pigram, whether he's going to stay or not, here in a week or, or even less. Yeah, I think we'll hear something from him uh, relatively soon. I think the last time we talked about him, uh, you had originally said – but it was before the bowl game, like we said. It originally said that Pigram was possibly going to be a decision January, February, maybe March. I think we might have said March, maybe not. But now I am saying probably March. But uh, spring football game, I think, is in March. So um, you have to take advantage of thinking about where these guys could be going. And so the blanket waiver for the NCAA this year is very unique. Um, you know, that's still going to play a role in us recruiting and using that as like a free agency portal kind of deal. So, um, you know, now that Kitley is around, um, I think it's going to be vital with the decisions that we make on offense, including him. So I think Helton brings him in very instrumentally to do those kinds of things. So, hey, that's what we have. And so I'm super excited for it. Um, you know, we have a very heavy spring coming up and Whatever football coverage that we can get, we will. And I promise to the listeners and to Matthew, myself, we'll have Zach Kittley's audio soon. Uh, just this show was not football heavy. Um, I do want to have him on here. Uh, I know that you were part of that press conference uh, talking to Zach. So we'll have that uh, in stock. And so before we go, the last thing I would like to hear comment from if you have anything is what are your impressions of Zach? I know that we've already talked about him, but just how how big of a deal is it really that he's going to be here? Kind of just reflect on how that hiring was big for us. Well, he brings a lot of optimism because you go back and I'm going to express it a lot until we really get into the next season. But everything about this guy screams excitement because of the yardage and because he talks about the big plays. And even in the press conference, he talked about bringing a spark to this offense. And that's just not what we got from the Western Kentucky Hilltopper offense this year with Pigram and Brian Ellis. And one more comment about Pigram. You really feel bad for the guy because he comes in. He's a transfer from Maryland. This is supposed to be his team with a Western Kentucky team that was supposed to be the best team in Conference USA this year. They, they really proved, and the bowl game showed it, that they were just an okay team. They could beat the teams that they were better than, but they couldn't beat the, the teams that were, you know, better than them. They couldn't overperform their boundaries. So Pigram just was a little disappointing in that aspect. And then a new offensive coordinator comes in. He brings his quarterback. I mean, you have, if you're Tyrell Pigram, 
you know you're thinking, well, this is bad because obviously he has a favoritism with his quarterback and they threw for 313.2 yards per game over three seasons and I couldn't even get over 200. So you got to feel bad for Pigram, but going back to Kitley, I mean, it just screams excitement and I think there, there should be a lot of hope for Western Kentucky Hilltopper football fans. Oh, how the turntables, as Michael Scott said in the yeah, office. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so that's our situation with Pigram and football. So I want to thank Matthew for coming on the show today uh, and just recording our 15th episode. And like I said, may sound different with these AirPods in and hanging out and doing some work today in the coffee shop. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And so uh, that'll wrap it up until we talk next time. And so you can follow the uh, WKU Herald Sports at WKU Herald Sports on Twitter. Uh, and for myself, you can follow me at Keezer Nick. And for our writers, you got men's basketball beat reporter, uh, Caden Gaylord at underscore all capital letters, KGL. And then number three, you got Drew Tennis, who came on the show for the first time earlier today. He's at Drew underscore tennis. And Matthew, where can listeners be finding you on Twitter? They can be uh, finding me at Matthew Hargrove, but the E at the end of Hargrove is a one because that's what Twitter gave me for my for my Twitter. Well, there you have it. So, folks, until next time, this is Topper Talk. We're out of here.